You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. And so what I want to look at this morning is how we ought to pursue our Savior. Uh, our motivations, our perspective, our heart and mind behind that pursuit. I want to position our hearts so that what we do with our hands would be fruitful and not just lip service, not just, just, not just putting on a show, so to speak. I want to look at the motivations behind the pursuit so that our time in prayer, our time in the word, our time fellowshipping, our time worshiping would not be ritualistic, would not be routine, uh, and not just something that we have to do, but something that we get to do as believers. So my desire this morning, church, is to push us towards an authentic pursuit of Christ. And how that looks like is that we must fight to pursue Christ. And we see this in our passage this morning. Someone say, jump for me. In, uh, in 1 Timothy, Paul says to his young protege here in verse 11, the top of our passage, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. In the previous verses, Paul listed out characteristics of false teachers and how they believed godliness is a means of gain. That's back in verse 5 of the same chapter. They thought that if they presented themselves well externally, that they would reap materially. Hence why right before our passage, Paul says to Timothy that famous verse, right? We all know this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so from that, Paul is telling his protege, Timothy, to flee these things. Don't be like those false teachers. Don't be like, the, uh, like those people who, who live that, that lifestyle that's all about external godliness so that they can reap some sort of material reward. He says, flee these things. And instead, Paul says uh, in our passage, pursue. Pursue right after this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Paul calls Timothy to pursue what is actually godliness, true godliness. Now, uh, now, now there's an important note to be said here as, as Paul makes this connection from fleeing to pursuing. The reality, only two things takes place in our lives. If we're not pursuing God, we're fleeing from God. If we're not pursuing God, we're pursuing something else. That's, there's no middle ground. There's not us sort of standing in the middle of the thing, okay, am I going to go pursue God today, or am I going to go uh, pursue evil or the world today or my own flesh today? There's no middle ground. The Bible says because of our sin nature, we are actively rebelling against and fleeing from God. That's why Christians, as believers, we must actively pursue God as well. And, and note, the, note the things that he lists out in our, in our passage, right? Though they demonstrate themselves outwardly or externally, they find its roots internally, at the heart, in the mind. Righteousness, he, he, he says, pursue righteousness, right? Righteousness, your external righteousness is only qualified by Christ's righteousness over your life. Uh, he says, godliness, your, your works of godliness, how you present yourself as a representative of God is only legitimized if you have a personal relationship with God. And of course, he says, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, these are internal characteristics that express themselves outwardly, externally. All of that to say, Paul is calling Timothy and us to pursue a godliness that appears not just externally, but is rooted deeply in our hearts, in our minds, is rooted in our identity in Christ. Then, of course, in verse 12, Paul describes how that pursuit looks like. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. 
Paul uses uh, similar examples of this or illustrations like this throughout his letters in the, in the New Testament. He, in, in one letter, he says, run the race, right? He, he, in another letter, he says, wrestle with your faith. He's saying that there is a fight involved, a struggle in our pursuit uh, as we pursue Christ, and an effort um, that accompanies our pursuit. It's not just sort of this robotic thing, this routine thing that, that we're, we just do, right? Only on, you know, it's like, okay, it's the weekend. This is when I go to church. Okay, it's 5 p.m. This is when I pray. Okay, I read one chapter a day. It's not just, uh, it's not just a routine. And that's often how, how come our, our pursuit for Christ becomes ritualistic, how we lose passion for, in our pursuit for Christ. Mind you, again, routine is good, right? Routine is good to get us started and to get us on that track, but routine without passion becomes ritualistic, becomes ritual. Listen, it's when we stop fighting for our faith, when we stop struggling for our faith, that's when we begin to pretend our faith. That's when we start to become those whitewashed tombs or give lip services when our hearts are really far away from God. There is a struggle and effort required as we pursue Christ, according to Paul. Now, what follows in this passage of ours is that there is a blueprint of how that fight is to look like, how that struggle to pursue Christ is to look like. Uh, First, notice what Paul says, fight the good fight of the faith. It's not just any fight, it's the good fight. It's the good fight of the faith. What this tells us is that there are other fights other battles that we can involve ourselves with in this life, that we can end up fighting in this life. But as believers, as Christians, we are called to fight, to to contend in, in the original Greek for the faith. Here's the point, right? If you want to pursue Christ with sincerity, you must choose your battles. Choose your battles. See, the idea is that there are plenty of things in this life that, that we can invest our time, our efforts, our energy into. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, sinful things of the world, right, or, or indulging in, in, in things of this world. They can literally be good things, uh, uh, things that we can strive for that are inherently good, that we struggle for, that are good. Uh, maybe it's our retirement plan. Maybe it's, a, it's a, to build a career or, or, or even start a family. These are good things. Things, But what often ends up happening is that those other things, as good as, and decent as they may be, they often become the primary thing that we struggle for. It becomes what we strive for. Meanwhile, the good fight of the faith becomes sort of a, a side story. It becomes secondary, a secondary battle in our lives. And, and then we wonder, why isn't my prayer life grow, growing? Or why, why am I not getting anything from my times in the Word? Well, Maybe if you put just as much effort in your walk with Christ as you do in your school, in your career, in your hobbies, then maybe you'll see a difference. Maybe if you prioritize your pursuit of Christ, the struggle, you prioritize your struggle and your fight for your relationship with Christ just as much as you pursue the other things in this life and fight for the other things of this life, then you might see a difference. And to be clear, this doesn't mean that you just abandon your other responsibilities, right? You see Judah just walking around because Pastor Ian's just fighting the good fight, right? That's not what I'm saying. But those other, but, but, but those other good things ought to be fueled, ought to be motivated by your pursuit in Christ. How, the, how that looks like, maybe if it's your career, you're thinking, how can I glorify Christ in my career? 
If it's your marriage or, or your family, how can I reflect Christ in my family? If it's your hobbies, the things that you are passionate about, how can, how can, uh, how can I use this thing that I love to bring Christ all the more glory? Your time in the word, your time in prayer, your time in worship, your time in fellowshipping with other believers ought to be the fuel that drives all your other things, like all the other things that you strive for in this life. Your time in the word, your time reflecting on God's truth should 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 change your perspective, shift your perspective when you view your career, your education, your family life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The good fight of the faith ought to be our main fight, the main thing that we struggle towards. But what ends up happening, again, is that the good fight becomes the occasional fight or the only on the weekends kind of fight, or a secondary goal amongst everything else that we have on our list, on our agenda. Paul, Paul would revisit this imagery of making an effort or fighting towards a good fight in his second letter to Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Paul's point in this is similar to in our passage. We cannot expect to have fruit in our pursuit of Christ unless we prioritize Christ. Unless we make the effort. Unless we do the work. Choose your battles. Ask yourself... Are there things that you are currently striving towards, pursuing in your life that are not benefiting your faith? Are there, are, are there goals that you're pursuing that are, is, is, is not doing anything to deepen your walk, your relationship with Christ? Is not drawing you closer to God? Are the relationships you are maintaining bringing glory to God? Are you investing your time and energy in, in the things of God first? Are you prioritizing it first? In prayer, in word, in worship, in, in fellowshipping with other believers? Are you fighting the good fight of the faith? Because I, I understand, right? It is a struggle. It is a struggle. I, I, again, right? Uh, I can definitely relate. This past week, you know, life throws a lot of things at us. And as much as we want to focus on the things of God, you know, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Sometimes we have to deal with other things. Sometimes we have to deal with other situations that happens in, throughout the week. And it is a struggle. But that struggle is necessary as, we have, as we've been reading and as, as Paul describes. That struggle, it, it demonstrates a, a, a sincerity in our pursuit of Christ of us truly wanting Christ more than anything else in this world, in this life. So listen, choose your battles. Fight the good fight of the faith. Now Paul continues, he says in our passage, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about, uh, called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is not only calling Timothy to seize or to take hold of his faith, right? Again, playing into the whole idea of making an effort or fighting the good fight of the faith. But, Paul, but what Paul is also doing here is reminding Timothy of his identity. 
He did this, he did this from the top of our passage, right? Remember Paul who said, oh man of God. He calls Timothy, oh, as for you, oh man of God. He's reminding Timothy of who he is in Christ. So in this verse, he's reminding Timothy again of that same identity. He's reminding him of his salvation, right? He said that your, your eternal life, right? He talks about that's his salvation that he possesses in Christ. He talks about how he has been called by God. That is the effectual call of God, the unmerited, undeserved call of God. And of course, he, he talks about Timothy's testimony as well. The, 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 the witness that he had or declared or confessed um, in front of many witnesses that he is a servant of Christ, our Savior. It's, it's from this identity that, that Timothy and us are, are meant to function from. So, so listen, if you want to pursue Christ, you must claim your identity. Claim your identity in Christ. The original Greek here means to seize, what, what Paul says, right? To take hold of. It's the, it's the imagery of grasping something and, and into your hands and not letting go of it. In this case, what Paul is calling us to seize is our identity in Christ. Whether it's our salvation or God's call over our lives or simply identifying as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we must boldly and publicly claim that identity for ourselves. Paul goes as far as reminding Timothy, again, of the confession of faith that he made in public. He's saying, remember when you openly declared that you were a follower of Christ. Remember your public witness, your public testimony as a believer in Christ. Live up to that. Function in light of that. Listen, you cannot pursue Christ in private. You cannot. You just can't. Not, not when Christ says that we are the salt and light of the world. Not when, when Christ says, let, let your light shine so that others may see. Not when Christ says, if you deny me before others, I will deny you before my Father. The truth there is, here is, is that a genuine disciple, a follower of Christ, will not be ashamed of publicly declaring that they are a follower of Jesus. I mean, why would you be, Right? If, if you have truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you have truly experienced his grace and mercy over your life, and, and then what's there to be ashamed of? If you know that Jesus is our greatest hope, the only hope for humanity against sin and death and hell, the greatest source of lasting eternal joy, our only source of peace in a, in a tumultuous world, what's there to be ashamed of? Listen, compared to what everyone else in the world is identifying, identifying as these days, Calling yourself a Christian is not as crazy, right? I mean, just the other day, I was watching this news clip from the BBC, and they were interviewing a, a, this American man who identified as a woman who then identified as a British Columbian wolf. Yeah, that's a thing now, apparently. And people look at us like we're crazy, like what? I'm not howling, right? Just... Now, more than just boldly living out the Christian life in the world, understand why claiming your identity in Christ is so important. Because our tendency in our, in our fallen nature, in our sinful nature, even as Christians, is to function not from who we are in Christ, but who we were before Christ, who we were without Christ. If you've ever thought, man, I'm, I'm never going to, to beat this sin, or overcome this, these temptations. That's true if you are not in Christ. 
But in Christ, the Bible says that our sins have already been nailed to the cross. They've already been forgiven. They've already been paid for. If you've ever thought, man, this world is falling apart. There's no hope for humanity. That's normal to think if you're outside of Christ. But someone who is in Christ knows and understands that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that Jesus is our living hope, that you no longer have to function from fear, but take action in faith. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. The original Greek there it means to, to lay aside, to renounce, no longer associate yourself with these things. Put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Again, there it is. No longer associate yourself with the, that old identity, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul is reminding us that there is the old self and there is the new self. The old self is everything wrong about us, everything that we are still struggling with, as, even as believers, our flesh, everything before Christ. The new self is everything. The new identity in Christ is, is everything that we are with Christ. That which is being molded in us as we continue to pursue Christ. So listen, the next time you think, this is who I am, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to break free from this sin. I'm never, my mind's never going to change about this thing. Remember that it's not who you were that dictates who you are today. It's who Christ is making you and shaping you into as you pursue him. Namely, a reflection of himself. If you really want to pursue Christ, you must claim your identity in Christ. Now, Paul continues. He says in verse 13, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Paul is reminding Timothy of who he is, that, who, of who he's serving in this ministry, in this walk with, in this walk, uh, in this walk, for Christ, who he needs to answer to on the event that he fails to pursue Christ. It's God himself. Right? He, Paul's saying, I charge you in the presence of God. It's a high standard. And of course, here's the charge, verse 14, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says to keep the commandment. What's the commandment? It's yes, It's the Bible, the word of God, the commandment, everything that, that Paul has been entrusting to him throughout this entire letter, all the teachings of the apostles, the Old Testament, even all of it, to keep it. Timothy is charged to keep it, meaning to guard it. And to guard something means that you must treasure it. You must value it. And here's the expectation for us. If you, if you desire for your pursuit of, in, in Christ to, to be authentic, to be sincere, you must cherish your faith. Cherish your faith. As mentioned, if, you know, back, into, back to the first point, if, if only we, we valued our faith, our spiritual walk, as much as, our, uh, as we do other things in this life, if only we valued uh, the progress of our, 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 of our faith, the maturity of our faith, just as much as we value the progress that we have in our education, in our career, in, 
and maybe the video games that we play, right? What I, I talked about earlier was the effort that we put in in order to achieve those other things, in order to fight and struggle for those other things, but it also applies to our love for them as well. If only we cherished our faith just as much as we cherish these other things in life. Because again, what we cherish is what we guard and protect. Church, how protective are you of your faith? Similar to how you may be protective of your free time or your hobbies or your passions and, and you'll, be, you'll ensure that nothing gets in the way from you having those things and having that time. Do you ensure that nothing gets in the way of you enjoying your time with the Lord? That nothing gets in the way of, of your prayer time, of your worship time? When was the last time that you were just as adamant about your time with God, your devotion to God, as you were about catching up on a basketball game or watching a show on Netflix or meeting with friends or something for work? When was the last time that, that you, you said, you put your foot down because you, you wanted to have that time with God because you understood that that was the thing that mattered above all else? And listen, it's not just our, our, our faith that, that, that we're called to protect or to keep, to watch over. But as believers, as, as sons and daughters of God, as people who are in a church community, we're also, to, we're also called to, to keep watch over the faith of others. The Bible calls us to exhort, to edify, to correct, and rebuke one another in, so, that, uh, so that all of us would be, would be in line with, with the faith that is described in Scripture. To continue to pursue Christ according to what uh, Christ or the word of God gives us. And it's not just about our individual faith. It's about how our faith can impact others. So listen, in your own personal time, whether it's praying, whether it's devotional time in the word, understand that you're not just reading the Bible for yourself. You're reading the, you're reading the word of God so that you can encourage others, so that you can edify others with what you read. You're not just praying for yourself. You have the opportunity to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. You're not just pursuing Christ for your benefit. You're pursuing Christ for the benefit of others so that you can push others along as in their pursuit of Christ so that you can encourage and, and lean on others as they too pursue Christ. The point is that we don't simply cherish our own faith. We must cherish the faith of others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. This is, this is what I mean by this. This is Paul's perspective, right? When he's looking at the faith of other people. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. That's the kind of heart that we are to have. Even sacrificing our own time, and our own energies, just to build up another brother, another sister in their own walk with God. Let me ask you, church, do you cherish your faith? Are you passionate about seeing your faith grow? Are you passionate about seeing the faith of others grow? Are you protective of it, right? You care, even. If you want to sincerely pursue Christ, you must cherish the faith. Cherish your time in God's word. Love the time in prayer. Value your time of worship and gathering together with other believers. Remember, remember what, they, around what, what all of that revolves around is what? Love, right? 
It's passion. It's love for the things of God. Remember what Paul says in that, the famous love chapter of Scripture, right? 1 Corinthians 13. You know, he says, if I speak in the tongues of angels or of men, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all things and all ministries and have all knowledge and have all faith and to, even to remove mountains, but not have love, I am nothing. And that's what happens. That's how our, our, our walk with God, Christ, our, our pursuit for Christ becomes routine or ritualistic. It's when we lose that love, when we lose the value of cherishing our faith, of cherishing our time with God, of cherishing the faith of other believers, when we lose that love. Church, we must cherish our faith. Finally, Paul concludes his charge here. He says, uh, taking up from the end of verse 15, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and, and eternal dominion. Amen. Paul, Paul breaks out in this mini worship uh, set right in the middle of his letter here. But it's not just that he's glorifying God or saying good things about Christ. He's also reminding Timothy where his focus ought to be. He's also reminding Timothy who it is, that again, that he, who he's serving, who he is pursuing in this life. And here's the thing, right? If you want to genuinely pursue Christ, you must center your focus. Center your focus. Remember who it is that you're pursuing, Remember what is the prize in all of it, why you're running the race, why you're fighting the good fight. It's not about the material things that you can get. It's not about, uh, you know, God blessing you in this life, God opening doors for you in this life, you succeeding in your career or your education or your family and all that stuff. No, it's not about that. The prize that, the, that Scripture gives us, the, the, the thing that we are running towards, the reward that we have as believers is Christ himself. Remember, it is Christ that we are pursuing, not the benefits of pursuing Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained this or and am already per perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's the motivation from, 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 from Paul here. He's recognizing that Christ has taken him, this sinner, this, this man who persecuted the church, and as a result has grown this desire in him to pursue him, to pursue the Savior. He says, and he continues, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All is pursuing, he's pressing on, he's enduring. Even while he's writing this in prison, he's enduring for that prize, which is his savior. Our relationship with Christ is the prize. He's our treasure, he's our reward. What we Christians are striving towards, what we Christians are, 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 are striving for, and that should, ought to be our focus. 
That ought to be our focus in all of it. Sometimes the pursuit, the walk, the wrestling with our faith gets tiring when we lose focus, when we forget who it is that we're, we're running towards and why we're reading our Bibles, why we are praying, what's the point of it all. And Christ is the point. Just as Christ has loved us and called us, made us his own, as this passage says, Christ is the point of why we must treasure our faith, why we must wrestle with our faith. Christ is the point. He's our focus in all these things. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, writes, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that, by the way, in verse 2? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The reason why we're pursuing after Christ, the reason why we're trying to focus on Christ, because by ourselves, in our own strength, we will get tired. We will stumble. We won't live up to the standard of our testimony, of our identity in Christ. But as we look to Jesus, as we put our faith in our Savior, the founder and perfecter of our faith, we can know and trust that He is the one who will hold us fast as we sing. He's the one who will carry us to the other side. So as we close this morning, the invitation is to examine your life, church. And the invitation is to, to ask yourself, are you pursuing Christ? In your life, are, are you fighting the good fight? And, and I'm not talking about, you know, doing it perfectly. The call is not to, 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 to pursue the faith perfectly, but to simply examine if there is, has been progress. Are you progressively growing more and more in love with your Savior in your pursuit of Him? Are you growing more and more in love with God's Word every time you go into it? Are you, is your prayer life growing? Is your, is your, your love for God's community growing? If, is, your, is your heart of worship growing? That's the call here. Whether it is to be, whether you're thinking about being a member or but to simply being a Christian, the fruit of, of, of sincere faith is progressive growth. It's, it's a, a faith that is progressively growing, maturing over time, loving the Savior more. And maybe if you're, if you're thinking, you know what, my, my, my walk with God has, has grown stagnant, has grown dry. Over, over time, then maybe you need to consider what we've been talking about this morning. Choose your battles. Consider what it is that you're putting your effort into instead of the good fight of the faith. Remember your identity in Christ. Claim your identity. 
Don't function with the mentality, with the heart of, of who you were without Christ. Remember the truths of God. Remember his word that, that declares who you are in Christ. Do you cherish your faith? Do you value the faith that has been entrusted to you, that God has, by his grace and mercy, given to you, gifted to you? Do you value the faith of others? And ask yourself, where is your focus? In this pursuit of Christ, where is your focus? Is it in what God can do for you in this life? The blessings? Is it in... in Material things, maybe? Is it in just, you know, the routine? Like, I have to do this. I was told to do this. Or is it on the Savior? Is your focus on the Savior? Church, imagine the impact that we could have, the growth our community can have, what plus life can be what we can accomplish together as brothers and sisters in Christ if we were filled with members, Christians, who passionately pursue the Savior in all aspects of their life. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, you know exactly where we are in our walks with you. You know the things that have been obstacles in our lives. You know where, where our heart has grown cold. You know exactly, oh Lord, where, where we have been stumbling and falling. But God, we cling on to this truth. We hold on to this truth that we just read, that we heard, oh Lord, that it is you who is our, the author and perfecter of our faith. It is you who, who hangs on to us. It's you who, who, who holds us fast. It's you who keeps us from stumbling. It's you who we are running towards. And so, God, I pray for those who have grown cold in their faith. For those who have grown cold in their prayer life and in their devotional time, the Word. That this day, O oh Lord, that you'd give them a fresh wind, O oh Lord, from your Spirit to revive, O oh God, passion and love for the things of you that you would restore, O oh Lord, their desires, their pursuit of you, that they would grow to cherish, O oh God, the faith that has been entrusted to them, the faith that has been a gift to them, Lord. That, God, you would remind them, O oh Lord, that though we were sinners, undeserving of anything from you, that you called us by your grace. You approached us, you pursued us, with your love. And so God, just as you have pursued us, I pray that you would put in us, Lord, a heart, a resolve, a mindset, a perspective to pursue you. 
with our entire being, oh Lord. Not just on the weekends, not just with our, our lips, Lord God, not with just our hands, but our entire being. Would they pursue you, oh Lord? Help us in this, God, because we know, uh, Lord, we can absolutely relate that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we need your help, Lord. I pray, oh God, for those who have yet to, to declare you as Lord over their lives. That God, you would stir in their hearts. That you would impress on their heart their need for a Savior. That you would impress on their hearts the conviction of sin. Impress on their hearts, O oh Lord, that you are the only hope, the only answer to it. O oh Lord, help us be a people whose lives have truly been changed by your gospel. much glory from us in Jesus your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.